Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 7.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. And tonight I'm here with... Hawa Idrisu Mustafa. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, National Communications Authority, NCA, cracks the whip on four errant radio stations and claims are fueling the conflict in Boko. But the Media Foundation for West Africa believes the due process was not followed. Also coming up, as Ghana prepares to host the All-Africa Games from next week, we hear from the Member of Parliament who says the budget has been bloated. And later on Eyewitness News, we hear from the Africa Education Watch, which is making another attempt to see a review of the Free Senior High School with a demand that parents who send their awards to boarding house be made to pay for that. Stay with 97.3 CTF and for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Minister for Works and Housing Kujo Poyankoma calls for regulation of players in real estate industry to protect citizens to enhance confidence. That's in 15 minutes from the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a host of affiliate stations, including Boogly Radio 88.6 in Wa in the Upper West Region, Word 88.3 FM in Zwarungu in the Upper East Region, Dasuma 99.1 FM in Yendi in the Northern Region, Vota. Region, we are on Holy 98.5 FM in Aplau. We are in the Eastern Region on Right 90.1 FM in Somania. In the Ashanti Region on Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi. In Bono Region, we are on Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani. In the Western Region, we are in Takrade on Premier 100.5 FM, Beach 105.5 FM, and Sky Power 93.5 FM. We are also on YouTube, we are on Facebook, we are interactive. Join us on WhatsApp 0549-986-996. Let's start off with our first story and how hazard. A presenter with one of the stations shut down by the National Communications Authority for allegedly fueling the Boko conflict is appealing to the authority to rescind its decision. DNC on Saturday, February 24, announced the shutdown of Source FM, Boko FM, Zara FM and Guma FM following recommendations from the Upper East Regional Security Council and the National Security Ministry. Speaking to City News, a new a presenter at Source FM, Akangi Ibrahim Karim Azuma, said the shutdown will negatively affect residents of Boko. They have to temper justice with mercy. Looking, looking at the situation in Boko, yes, we know media or media as a medium, it is it's to entertain, to educate, to inform, and for developmental purposes. And you cannot leave. Uh, all these things outside. And when there's conflict, we need to report, but we have to be circumspect if I'm right. So shutting down all the four radio stations, including mine or where I work or operate, I think it's going to have untold hardship to the people of Boko and of Kosako and the whole of even Upper East Region because people listen to us, irrespective of sometimes the, the deviation. Right. Even those who write on print media, sometimes they write certain things, they have to ask them to write a rejoinder or to retract if I'm right. 
Akangi Ibrahim Karim Azuma is a radio presenter at Source FM in Boko. So like how I said, four radio stations have been shut down. The NCA's communication said it was an advice from the Upper East Regional Security Council that these four stations were fueling uh, the conflict in Boko, namely the stations uh, Source FM, uh, which is a partner of ours uh, that carries our broadcast here, uh, Boko FM, uh, Zara FM and Guma FM. Let's speak to the owner of Guma FM, Prince Kamau Guma. He's joining us on the line. Sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Omar Sandam. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, what happened to your business? Um, NCA issues a, a communication that your station has been shut down. Tell us uh, what happened to your to your radio station. Yeah, my brother, let me greet your your viewers and all Ghanaians. Good evening to you all. Our charity viewers, my CTFN. Yes, my brother, I was um I got a letter from my marketing manager that uh my radio station was shut down by NC via national security. And the allegation that they were given to us was there was supposed to be a program four days ago that was um, actually have national security concern. My radio station is off air for over three months or four months. My radio station wasn't on air. So I don't know why a three or four days uh, program has to attach my radio station with what has happened in four days ago. P please repeat what you just said about the non-operationalization of your station. Yeah, for over four months ago, my station is off air because of some technical issues. So if there's anything that happened within four days ago, my station should not be part of any station to be shut down. And in their letter, they did not even mention anything, any reason that caused them to shut the radio station. There's no reason. I, I am privileged to the national security, uh, NCA, I called them, all of them, and I was asking them the reason. What, what, what evidence do they have to shut those um, radio stations? And I can tell you that they were, all of them, none of them have any reason. They just keep uh, putting the blame on each other. You call this person, the national security, say, oh, we don't know. It's the regional minister that called, that wrote a letter to them, and they act, and uh, NCA is telling me that they don't have any powers to shut any radio station down unless maybe you breach their regulations. So I went back to national security. National security to us saying that they don't have anything to say, but it was the original minister who recommended. And I tried to speak with the police, the original police commander. I wasn't getting him. I tried calling the Boku municipal chief executive and the police commander, and nothing was going through. So actually, for me, I just I believe that it was just abuse of power. But none of them can hold themselves responsible of their actions. Interesting. So no one has come to your station to physically shut it down. No, they came. They came with the Rambo star with military. And I believe that as of now, our equipment should be with NCA with the military. They came in there with the military. First, the excuse was they have letter for the radio stations. So my radio station was off. So the marketing manager was like, okay, let's meet at the radio station and I'll pick up my letter. 
So when he got to the radio station, they asked him to open. And he opened, and uh, with the military, they just start uh, picking up equipments and other stuff. And so, just said, gave them the letter. Yeah. So they went in there to shut down an already shut down radio station. Radio station, yes. Were there staff at the time when they came? No, my, my radio station is off. It's off air for some time. So they actually, I mean, asked them to open the radio station for them. Did they say anything to him as to the specific reasons why they were doing the shutdown? No, with, the, with this military around, you know, actually he just gave them the, I mean, the NCA rep gave my, I mean, my guy the letter, my, my marketing manager the letter, and that was it. And the reason is that NCA is shutting them down. Yeah, they, I mean, they, didn't, they did not even tell me it was um, national security, but they just said that uh, NCA is shutting them down and they are picking the equipment back to Bolga, the capital. So what did they take from the, from the studios? I think it's the transmission, yes. Yeah, the transmission. They took all the transmissions. I see. And you are saying that on authority, you have not broadcasted for the past four months. For the past months. three or four months, no, I haven't broadcast anything. My, actually, some of my equipment is even a cry here for repairs. Interesting. Now, let's talk about the crime they say you have committed. I'm using crime here loosely. They say right. that your station was being used to fuel the conflict in Boko. That's why National Security Advisor, your station, be shut down. What do you say yes. to that? I think it's a very big lie. Because I, as a Ghanaian and a peace-loving Ghanaian, my station, I gave him directive. Don't allow anybody to call there to insult anybody or to provoke anybody. And whoever texts, and you see that the text, when you read it loudly, is going to cause harm to anybody. Don't read it. When somebody calls into the radio station to talk and the person is trying to, I mean, use some disrespectful word to anybody, just, I mean, hang the phone because I know what happened to Rwanda. It's just a radio station, uh, comments on the radio station, in the next 90 days, almost 100,000 people lost their lives in Rwanda. So I'm totally against that. And I asked the regional minister and the national security coordinator, if you give me any recording from my radio station of saying anything that is so serious to national security issue, trust me, I'll just shut the radio station off. I will not let the tra- I will not even repair the machines and bring them back to Boko. I'll just shut it down. None of them could give me any evidence. No recording, no live transmission of my radio station doing anything to promote violence in Boko. Okay, so now this is a claim. You do business there. Um do you well, know if there is any other radio station there that may be doing this? Actually, no. I, I, I don't think I know any radio station that promotes uh, uh, distant uh, violence or provocation stuff. I do know that Boku is a very volatile place. And um, uh, we all had a letter somewhere last year. I was called to... Uh, yeah, I remember I was with you, rather. I was with you on an interview. Umar Sanda, my good brother, I was with you in a, on an interview when a call came that uh, one of my radio, my radio station is actually promoting uh, violence, and I was invited. Uh, not knowing it was just an allegation, that we sat and have a meeting then, and I promised NCA that, listen, I am not in any way subscribed to any violence. So the radio station was to bring peace and business and awareness to the community. That if you hear anything, just let me know. Whoever is 
I mean, on duty that day, will leave my company. So my company has has never had anything to do with promoting violence in there, and I don't mm. know any uh, any any of the radio station that I mean. Uh, indulge in such activities. Mm. So the incident you refer to must have been the time you were contesting the youth organizer position of the yes, MPP when I yes, hosted you. Very yes, well. yes, so yes. moving forward, um, what are you going to do? Uh, are you going to remain shut? You're going to protest formally? No, actually, I had a conversation with the regional minister uh, yesterday and today. And he promised me that, you know, uh, he's working out something. He's going to call them either today, Monday or tomorrow. And um, advise them of how to, I mean, do their business without, uh, I mean, uh, without any issue to national security or to the already uh, violence place in Boko. But did the and minister you, say to you that he didn't mention your name as one of the stations that should be shut down? Um, he did. I remind him. I remind him that, oh, you know, one of the stations is mine. And he was like, yes, but because it's a family name, uh, he didn't know that he was smart. He thought it, it's just a family person that used the Guma that owns it. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. So we wait to see what else happens. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you, my brother. That's okay. Prince Kamau Guma. He's the owner of one of the four radio stations that have been shut down in Boku. Uh, his station is called Guma FM. And he's just saying that he hasn't been broadcasting for the past four months to be surprised, uh, only to be now surprised by this. Um, sudden decision of NCA to announce that his, his station has also been shut down. Let's speak to George Sapon. He is the Executive Secretary of the National Media Commission. It's a constitutional body that uh, ensures that our media space is properly sanitized. Mr. Sapon, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, Omar. What has been the level, if there has been any, of involvement of NMC in the shutdown of the four stations in Boko? Well, your question presumes that there's a public interest in the disclosure of the internal workings between NMC and NCA. Mm-hmm. I would think that uh, we will serve the public interest better if we don't uh, get into that. But mm-hmm. I, int- I introduced you to say that you are the constitutional body mandated to sanitize the media <laughs> space. And if yes. the NCA says that it went to shut down because those four media houses were an affront to the media f- space, you, the, the the institution that has that mandate, if you have been involved or otherwise, it would be good that you, you let us know, full disclosure, don't you think? So we can celebrate you or question you. Well, celebration uh, speaks to the ego, but substantively, you would recall that uh, for the past two or so years, We've publicly raised concerns about the situation in Boko, and we've had calls to caution all the radio stations a number of times. I recall that in my last statement, which was in October of 2022, we had indicated that uh, if the situation that we're observing continued, we may take action without any further notice to any of the stations. I had an interview around that time with Israel on Asasi Radio, where I publicly said for the first time that in dealing with the crisis situation in Boko and perhaps for the rest of the country, everything was on the table. And I recall indicating that closure itself was not far from uh, contemplation. So essentially, this is where we are 
And I also want you to recall that NMC, NCA, DJ, uh, Giba, and uh, we had the support of or the cooperation of the uh, society groups, including Media Foundation. We've had series of discussions about the minutes that we were uh, all perceiving in or for. And so I would rather want us to look at the situation now within that further context. So you will not say to me whether or not N- NMC had any hand in what happened? I would not disclose the internal workings of the two institutions within the framework of our cooperation. And you should understand that this is a matter of principle because the moment I open that, I breach that principle and then every time that uh, we have to work together, uh, that becomes an issue of uh, public communication. We do not think that is how we want to proceed. So the reason I'm asking this is for two uh, points. Mm -hmm. The first point is that in the past, any time NMC intended to take action on a radio station or a media house, you publicized communication you've had with them, asking them to desist from doing program A or B, and telling them, the last one being Onya FM, I recall, saying to them that if they do not comply, you would be forced to you know, take their punitive action against them. So we do know that in the case of UNMC, before you bless any such action, you would have done communication extensively. I spoke to one of the owners of the four stations. He just said to me, there was no communication prior. They just came Rambo style and disconnected them. The second reason is that groups like Media Foundation for West Africa are saying that the procedure for the shutdown was unlawful, was not right, and is an affront to uh, the media priority that we have. It is important that at National Media Commission, we know what your position is. Did the NCA err in doing what it did, or you are giving the NCA your blessings for doing what it did? So, Maru, again, let's get back to the to first principle. Principle number one is the question whether or not we have given adequate notice. I have indicated to you that in the past two years, we've been engaging the stations and we have spoken publicly. And I think that that constitutes enough uh, notice. On the comments raised by the uh, Media Foundation for West Africa, I think there is a lesson in there for all of us going forward. My understanding of it is that uh, in future, in the communication, uh, they would require that the same questions that you are asking us about the internal workings between NMC and NCA part of the communication. The propriety of it, we are ready to examine together and to see what is the best way forward. Moving forward, um, what's your comment on the shutdown of the four radio stations and other issues related to broadcasts that would harm the peace? I think that we can only re- uh, repeat what we have said uh, repeatedly. We are committed to protecting every journalist, every media house that is doing journalism. But we are also determined to clear off all the megaphones of war from the society. I have had cause recently to indicate that if you look at the Constitution, the freedom that we were granted was to serve the public interest, not to destroy the society. And the Commission takes that very seriously. It is possible for all of us to work towards peace and progress and development. In doing that, as FM and the TV do, we can ask all the critical questions. 
and encourage all the robust discussions. But violence, war, cannot be part of the industry. And because we are in an election year, I'll just ask you to make a comment on that as well. Uh, the NCA says what is happening in Boko was because of security. Uh, but of course, we have an election coming up too. I just wanted you to maybe make a statement in regards to that since we are in an election year before you, you, you leave us. I thank you most sincerely for that opportunity. And all that I would say is that we've done it together as media. From 2000 coming, we have been the mainstay for all the credible elections that we've had. Let us work together to secure credible elections and peaceful development in Ghana. I said this quietly. Those who think otherwise and want to use uh, their radio stations or TV stations as channels of distraction will have them thought to blame. Thank you so much for speaking to us, sir. I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity. That's George Sapon. He's executive secretary of the National Media Commission. Uh, Suleiman Abraima is the executive director of the Media Foundation for West Africa. Sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you for having me, Amaro. You, you've been quoted elsewhere saying that uh, what the NCA did uh, did not follow due procedure. I just spoke to the NMC executive secretary. He will not say to me whether or not they were involved, but I wanted to hear your reasoning for saying that what happened was unlawful. Well, um, the, the summary of what we are saying as an organization is that the NCA used the wrong approach to do the right thing. Uh, in other words, given what was, was, what was happening in Boko in terms of the radio stations and their role in the ongoing conflict there, um, any decision to shut down the station uh, is in the interest of the public. However, given that we have laws governing um, the operations of media, one would expect that when institutions are making decisions of this nature, they would follow due process. And in this case, it's about either doing so in consultation with the NMC or actually doing so based on a decision of the NMC. Because if we don't do that, we may set a bad precedent that tomorrow somebody simply says, oh, well, um, City FM, what you are doing by criticizing the government can actually instigate people to demonstrate against the government, and therefore uh, that that is a national security concern, and the national security has advised that the NCA should shut it down. That is something that we would want to avoid, certainly. And so I think that our, our appeal is that the National Communications Authority um, should, should do these things by following due process. Abemaru, let me say that, as you said, that the NMC didn't indicate whether they were consulted or not, that for me is the problem. In fact, the problem with our media landscape really is the, the inefficiency of the NMC. I'm sorry to say that. George is my very good friend and my senior brother. But I think we are at a time where we must say things as it is. The problems when it comes to media regulation, the unethical issues that are happening, the unprofessional issues that are happening, it's mainly because we have an NMC that is really quite inactive and has perhaps allowed, that is what has allowed the NCA to begin to make these unilateral decisions. It happened with Radio Tongue. Of course, what the station was doing was problematic, but when they shut it down, we raised the same concern. But like I said, we have a media regulator that has basically gone to sleep. And so the frequency of Riser essentially is stepping in to do what the NMC 
ought to be doing. By the law, are you suggesting that if NCA officials showed up with military personnel, in like we have been told happened in Boko, I should ask them for a warrant from the NMC and that it is the NMC that can first give that directive before NCA executes? It depends, it depends on the reason why the NCA is acting. So, for example, you've gone, you've gone for a frequency from the NCA and the NCA has given you the authorization to use the frequency. If you then decide that you want to use that frequency to set up a telephone, <laughs> a telephonic company, or you want to use that to set up uh, as an ISP, an internet service provider, or to use that frequency for other purposes other than what you have been provided, uh, uh, you have been given the frequency to do, that is a technical thing that the NCA can say, look, we didn't give you the authorization to use the frequency for other things than radio or than television. Or if you decide to use the frequency to do some other things that would interfere technically with the operations of the airways. For example, you are giving 97.3 and then you decide that you want to, you want to use 97.4 as well. That is a technical matter that the NCA can say, look, you are interfering with the technical issues of frequency arrangement in this country, which has a national security implication. That has nothing to do with content. But when the reasons for shutting you down is because the NCA says, oh, you are doing programming and saying certain things that by their estimation or by national security's estimation, what you say about that on national security and all of that, then they are getting into content which is the domain of the National Media Commission and not the NCA. The NCA is not set up to, to listen to radio stations and say your content is right or your content is wrong. That is the mandate of the National Media Commission. And so it's all de- it all depends on why you are being shut down. In this case, in the case of Boku, of course, the, the owners couldn't have protested if there are security people there. But I suppose that if they decide today to say, look, it is the NCA that shut us down on the basis of you know, their assessment of the propriety of our content. And as far as we know, by law and by the Constitution, the NCA does not have that mandate to say that our content is this way or that way, and therefore we think that they have shut us down inappropriately and illegally. I think that they would have, they would have some, 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 some basis in terms of legality. But as I said, knowing the situation in Boku, I think that the radio stations and the way they were operating was really problematic and was, was inflaming the tensions there, was contributing to the conflict there, as a result of which a lot of people have died. And therefore, as I said, the NCA has done the right thing, but they used the wrong approach. I see. So should we rather be holding the National Security Secretariat responsible for this? Because it appears that they give the directive to NCA and NCA operated or, or obliged. Now, NCA listens to national security. We all are supposed to listen to national security. If they come to NCA and say that we have determined that ABC will breach the national security, move in and act, I don't think they would need to go sit with NMC and go through a roundtable discussion before, should they? Absolutely, you are right, Omaro. If the national security says, look, what is happening if we don't take this action, by tomorrow we will see a lot more lives lost and all of that, the, and, and the NCA is the, the body with the technical competence to be able to take down the frequency. They may not be waiting to say that um, we want to consult the, the NMC uh, before we take this action. But like I said, if the NMC were to be active and robust, the, the National Security would certainly would have communicated with the, with the National Media Commission to say, look, this is our assessment, and we think this decision must, uh, this action must be taken. 
On the basis of which the National Media Commission could have then said, okay, we think we agree with you, and therefore, uh, together with the NCA, let us go with the action. But here we are. The NMC says that it, it, it cannot even pronounce itself on whether uh, they were consulted or they were not consulted. And that, for me, is the problem. By now, NMC should be saying the kind of things that we are saying. That, yes, we think that the decision that was taken, if it was based on national security advice and we all know the volatile situation, what we want to pr protect, first of all, is not the frequency but life. And so if the decision would lead to the protection of lives, we have no problem. But we think that as a media commission charged with the responsibility of determining whether content is right or content is wrong, and also uh, the fact that if we allow these decisions to continue, where the national security can say, oh, we shut down this station because we think it has national security issues, it will create a problem for us. And therefore, we think that going forward, the NMC needs, or the NCA needs to always consult the NMC on matters like these, and we would have agreed. And this is also because way back in September, October last year, in fact, I spoke to the executive secretary, my good friend and senior brother, George Sapo, about the situation in Boku and the stations there. I have engaged MPs from the area. And sometimes my question is, look, why are you people not interested in working with the National Media Commission to ensure that the right things are done? But, like I said, the NMC that is supposed to, to act has been quite dormant and, and ineffective, and therefore the NCA is stepping in, and by stepping in, they do the right thing using the wrong approach. And that is, for me, the problem. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you, Maru. Now, Suleiman Abraima, he's executive director of the Media Foundation for West Africa. Let's hear now from the Ghana Independent Broadcasters Association. How are Now, the Ghana Independent Broadcasters Association, Cuba, has expressed surprise as the decision by the National Communications Authority to shut down four radio stations in Boko. Speaking to City News on the development, President of Giba Cecil Sunkwamils said, though the four stations are not members of the association, they will get to the bottom of the matter. For, for Giba, it was, um, we had not uh, expected this uh, to happen uh, that quickly, so it was a bit of a surprise. But um, I guess um, there are a lot more questions to ask um, before making a def having a definite position on uh, the action. Uh, but we know that um, the Boku situation uh, has been on and off. And we know that communication in terms of the use of radio uh, has been a major concern uh, by the other parties trying to bring peace to Boku. In fact, in, uh, in late September 2022, the NNC uh, put together a meeting. And in that meeting, uh, we had um, in most of the stations uh, in, in the Boku area in Upper in the region, also in attendance where uh, Giba was present, the NMC was present, and uh, also members members from the West Africa Media Foundation. And it was about this whole Boku thing. And we spoke to the stations and we outlined uh, the, the, what, what the expectations of the, the stations to enable uh, peace come to Boku. Uh, and then I think it was followed up with, uh, the NNC followed up with a press release on October 2nd, 2022. And that press release also carried a bit of a warning, you know. So um, we we have um, hoped that, and the, um, one thing I should make clear is that the stations uh, that have been closed down, uh, first of all, are not our members. But Giba is definitely interested uh, once it's uh, 
a radio or TV station within the private sector. We're definitely interested in uh, their welfare. That was the president of the Ghana Independent Broadcasters Association, Cecil Sunkwamios. This is News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra, around the globe on citynewsroom.com. We are interactive. Join us on 0549-986-996. You can send tweets using the hashtag citynewsroom. My handle is at umarusanda. You can send your message uh, also at city973. And the world will hear what you think of the big stories that we are bringing you today. So one of the lead stories we are bringing you tonight has to do with the issues around uh, Boko. Uh, we do know that there's been an ongoing conflict there. Uh, and then um, the NCA had gone to shut down four radio stations, saying that those four radio stations were fueling the conflict in the Boko Enclave. Before then, the NCA had also shut down Salt FM, a station in Agogo. Um, what's the latest on that, however, before we proceed? Now, the National Communications Authority says allowing Salt FM to be operational despite its inability to renew its license would have amounted to an illegality. The radio station owned by renowned businessman Ohine Kwame Frimpo was shut down on February 6, 2024 for failing to renew its authorization according to a notice issued by the NCA. However, in a recent development, the Agogo Traditional Council has pleaded with the NCA to be considerate and allow Salt FM resume operations while the company takes steps to renew the license. In an interview with City News, Director for Consumer and Corporate Affairs at the NCA, Nana Dufier Bedou, urged other media houses to ensure that they are duly authorized to prevent such sanctions. I'm not sure that that would um, be very legal because what if that happens, then it means that the station would be um, broadcasting or operating without a valid license. And remember, we have gone through some procedures or processes before where um, a whole number of um, FM stations, um, for that matter, were shut down because they had not renewed their licenses or their authorizations had expired. So we would plead with all um, broadcasting houses, stations, and then FM stations and TV stations to ensure that they apply and get their licenses or their authorization before they expire. That was the Director for Consumer and Corporate Affairs at the National Communications Authority, Nana Dufie Badu. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. Now, the government statistician, Professor Samuel Kabnayinim, wants government to institutionalize policies on youth employment focusing on absolute numbers. Recent data indicate youth on youth employment has risen to 21.7%. Ghana's current unemployment rate stands at 14.7%, with half a million employed people 
2022, becoming unemployed in 2023. Successive governments have rolled out youth employment schemes seeking to address the Kanaka. Speaking on the City Breakfast Show, Professor Enim advocated for a sustained focus on the absolute numbers to help governments increase drive to reduce youth unemployment over time. 21.7% is concerning, but I want to very much relate all these conversations to policy. We are not paying attention to the absolute numbers. And this is where we need to get to as a country. We are talking about an unemployment figure, 1.85 million people. Of this 1.85 million people, we have about 1.3 million of them that are within the age bracket of 15 to 35 years. So if government is institutionalizing policies and targeting numbers in the region of 250,000 and 260,000, it's not a bad thing. It's, that is what the government can do in terms of its resources. But if you have the population of youth unemployment in mind, which is about 1.3 million, and you are targeting around 250,000, it just gives all of us a sense that even if people are, are queuing for registration and there are 300,000, it's just less than a quarter or about a quarter of what the population of the youth unemployed, of the youth unemployment is. So we always need to keep in mind the absolute number and the efforts by government to give us a sense of how long it's going to take us if we really want to deal with the issue of um, youth unemployment. Professor Samuel Kobna in is government statistician. Meanwhile, head of Department for Economics at the University of Ghana, Professor William Barbwatin, has been raising questions about government employment figures. The government says it has created some 2 million jobs, but Professor William Barbwatin says a closer look at the figure may reveal a different fact. You know, government said it created 2 million jobs, and they have indicated where the jobs are where people have been employed and so on. But government did not tell us whether those employment are net employment. Let me give you an example. So I am in, in, in Legon, and then I find out that there was a very good job at uh, uh, City FM, and then I, I go and I'm employed at City FM. So nobody has replaced me in Legon, but I have come to City FM. So government may add that one as a new job created by the person who was Occupy that job is different. Is, is, is the same person who was at Legon. So you may find out that you created about two million jobs, or allow me to use employment. But new people that have been able to benefit from this employment maybe just about two hundred thousand. So when you come up every time, you see that unemployment is still high and vulnerable employment is still high. So it is important that when we are coming up with statistics, even administrative one that government brings up. We need to look at the net, the net employment creation. Professor William Barbwatton is head of departments at the University of Ghana Economics School. Now, the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta, is urging the president to, among other things, outline measures to tackle the stabilization of the local currency ahead of the 2024 State of the Nation address tomorrow. The president is in accordance with Article 67 of the 1992 Constitution, expected to deliver to Parliament an update on the state of governance, security, education, health, and other issues of national interest to Parliament. President of Guta, Dr. Joseph Obin, in an interview with City News, underscored the need for government to introduce incentives to promote the business community. 
We had the peak of the depreciation up to about 15.5 of the uh, to the dollar, and then um, it, it came down to this level um, of about 12.8, and then inflation was the peak 54 percent. For me, if we look at those things, even though we do not accept um, 23 percent as an inflation mm -hmm. or even 29% as a monetary policy rate and all that. We, 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 we think that we can still do better and these are the areas that we want the government to show the interest so that uh, we can bring these indicators, positive indicators, and enhance on them so that it will trickle down on the business community. For me, that's the most important thing, how we can uh, have stability of our uh, economy, the, uh, the currency in particular, and then um, uh, how are we going to even sustain it? And that's why uh, we are calling on the government to navigate through well the uh, IMF program mm -hmm. so that at least we do not have delays in the third tranche where it can come early to sustain these things. Dr. Joseph Obin is president of Guta. Now from next week, Friday, that's the 8th of March, um, next two weeks, rather, Friday, Ghana is going to play hosts actually next week friday not, not next two fridays next week friday gonna play host to the all africa games here in accra the university of ghana sports stadium and the Bontemans sports complex these two stadiums will be used for the all africa games lots of anticipation but it appears there's an issue as is generally is the case when it comes to ghana's involvement in tournaments and events like this nature we are told that the money that was budgeted for the for the whole event has been bloated. Uh, that's a claim being made by a member of parliament. Uh, he's joining us on the line. Honorable uh, Northern Member of Parliament, Samuel Kujetua Blackway. Welcome to Eyewitness News. Hi, Umaru. Thank you very much for having me. I, I do know that your preoccupation is um, the cathedral. I didn't know that you have moved now to sports stadia and also... Uh, <laughs> football games and other events that come up. You are saying that you've done some investigations and the money that has been voted for the for the All-Africa Games is not the money we are intending to spend. Please tell us more. Well, Umaru, um, good evening to all your distinguished uh, listeners. Y you do know that uh, as a member of parliament who is concerned about carrying out our mandate, which really is about oversight, making sure that there are checks and balances and that the executive is held accountable. I have uh, pursued uh, matters to do with financial oversight, making sure the public purse is protected. And I've been uh, pretty much consistent, Umaru. Beyond the National Cathedral, you recall what we achieved uh, on presidential travels, uh, stopping the president from using 20,000 euro ultra-luxury jets. You recall what we have achieved in uh, uh, stopping the foreign ministry from purchasing a $12 million uh, Oslo chancery. Uh, you also recall how we scuttled the 241.9 million Ghana cities that was uh, put in the budget for so-called uh, e-transaction levy services. It was not value for money. Uh, you remember the Hyven scandal, how we saved uh, uh, the uh, Ghana airport lands, but for what we did, all those lands will have been gone. Then you recall the 
the kitchen scandal, the 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 West Blue matter. So there has been quite a, a great deal of uh, oversight that I have spearheaded, and so I want you to. Um, acknowledge uh, all of that. Yes, and, and I, that, I, I do. That, I do. I'm just looking at the the major, the headline one is the National Cathedral. That's yeah, why you. Yes, that I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, uh, yeah. So, so let's talk so, about this particular yeah. one. Then, what have you found? Yes. So this particular one, um, it relates to the thirteenth uh, African Games, as you have rightfully. Uh, I mean, rightly noted, the games uh, are expected to commence next week. Now, we in Parliament, uh, we were called upon to assist with a number of approvals. So the first one we did uh, was a loan facility for uh, the infrastructural side of things, uh, which costs us about 190, when I say as the Ghanaian taxpayer, uh, so about $195 million uh, has been invested in those uh, um, infrastructural uh, and facility upgrading uh, interventions. So that is a separate uh, amount of money. Now, for the 2024 budget, we were called upon to approve um, the operational expenses, which you can put under goods and services for the the LOC. And what the uh, LOC and the Ministry of Youth and Sports told us they need is 100 million cities. If you look at the minister's presentation to Parliament on the 12th of December 2023, uh, he asked for 100 million cities for goods and services, and then an additional 50 million cities for CAPEX, for infrastructure, which we we approved. So we know that in terms of operational expenses, it's a hundred million cities. I have been in utter shock when I began intercepting documents, which reveal that contrary to what we approved, they have gone to balloon the amount. It's gone through the roof. It's now sixfold. Uh, instead of $100 million, it's now $48 million, which is in excess of 600 million cities. At the prevailing exchange rate, it's about uh, between 602 to 604 million Ghana cities. This is mind-boggling. If you cannot stay within budget, what you do, the, 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 the right thing to do, what is legal, what is appropriate, is that you come back to the house. You must come back to the house and 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 convince us why what you yourself said you would need. Then we will look at it on its merit and then we'll give you a new approval. That has not been done. And we have been asking ourselves, I mean, between December and February, what has happened? Uh, what is the cataclysmic shift, what has been so earth-shattering that suddenly 100 million cities, which is a very handsome amount, is, is, is no longer adequate, that they intend to spend 602 million Ghana cities. 
and you 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 look at it critically, it means that for the 18 days, every day they intend to spend 33.4 million Ghana cities. And, and you have to put all of this in proper context. Look at the state of the Ghanaian economy. We are not in a good place. We are at the IMF, desperately seeking a bailout. We have been downgraded. We can't have access to the international financial market. We, we have defaulted on our loans. We are insolvent. I mean, is this the time to be engaged? Look, even if you want to review the budget, within the current economic context, shouldn't you even be reviewing the budget downwards? There are many people who have argued that we should not even be hosting the games considering our economic situation. That is what Australia did. A few months ago, Australia pulled out of, of hosting the, com- the, 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 the Commonwealth Games on economic grounds, that their, their economy was not on a sound footing. And Australia's situation is not as worse as ours. So if there should be any review, she should even be reviewing downwards, not a six-fold, is it six-fold po- escalation. Is it possible, Honorable, that they got money from elsewhere through sponsors and maybe donors, and so that would not be Ghana's taxpayer who is going to bear the remaining 500 million plus? Could that be a reason? That is not the reason. From the digging I have done, they are relying largely on SOEs, state-owned enterprises. And it comes back to us. These are public entities. So Ghana Gas, for example, the, the president chaired a meeting. And you see, what is worrying is that the president, who's been former attorney general, former MP, is, is former foreign minister, is, is a senior lawyer, he should be conversant with these things. And it, it is really shocking that he will be at the center of this, chairing meetings, varying what parliament has approved, you know, without coming back to the house. And if you look at the, 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 the people they have met, the CEOs they are pressurizing, they are largely CEOs of state-owned enterprises. And I know that from uh, tracking we did uh, last week, um, uh, the boss sent in $500,000. It's, it's boss. It's, this is a public entity. It's for us. It's to the taxpayers, uh, a bedding. You take, um, uh, about, uh, three weeks ago, uh, they pressurized the, um, the, the Ghana gas, Ghana gas also sent in $500,000. So it's still within, the public space. But could that not be CSR? Could that not be CSR budget? Which, but if it's CSR budget, then it was already budgeted for that, and so it wouldn't affect the the original structure of these these public institutions in any way, anyway. And that money, like like I was saying earlier, would not be brought to you later on for you to approve, would it? So I've looked at the uh, work plans and uh, what they. Uh, what Parliament had approved for these uh, uh, public entities. Uh, this was not uh, programmed. It's not in their schedule. And you see, we must bear in mind that this 
escalation, this ballooning from from 100 million to over 600 million. You know, at the end of the day, we are going to pay for that. I mean, it's it's money that could have, for example, been used to resettle our VRS pillage victims. And then one of the reasons why I've become very, 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 you know, agitated about these things is that when you see people five months, our fellow compatriots, five months since no fault of theirs, VRS pills, they lose everything, five months down the lane, they are still living in tents. The government says that it hasn't mobilized enough money yet to construct resettlement homes for them. We have done our best. We've only built for 600 people. But you have more than 2,500 people still living in tents. You know, as I speak to you, we have fellow compatriots who have died because government couldn't raise 4 million cities to save them. I'm talking about the dialysis patients. A few days ago, we heard from the Confanochi doctors who are saying that they have only one functioning dialysis machine. It is what they had in 2016 is down to one, one and a half. You know, when I listened to one of the doctors. So we have real issues. Look at the, the, the areas in the system. Who is not old in this? Contractors are old. School feeding caterers are old. Uh, national service personnel are old. Trainees are old. Uh, the DACF, Get Fund, Health Insurance. So it's not as if we have money to throw around. So stay within budget. Respect our laws. Don't undermine parliament. Respect the constitution and be conscious of the prevailing economic conditions. It, it, it simply doesn't make sense to be doing. I mean, just a few days, 18 days, already $195 million has gone into infrastructure. That's about $2.4 billion. You want to now add $600 million Ghana cities. Why? Why? For just 18 days. 33.4 million Ghana cities is what will be spent every day. 200 million cities every week. Why? I mean, why? I mean, look at the people of La. You demolish their hospital. You say that you don't have money to build a new one for them. How many years now? So we have so many pressing needs. Preterm babies are still being born in this country. There are no incubators in hospital. Women are still delivering on bare grounds. Just bare floor. You know, why should we, even if you must carry out any review, shouldn't we be reviewing downwards? Why are we spending like we've become such a wealthy country, we have so much money, you know, to blow around? And look, all these companies, they have been putting pressure on. Government owes these companies. <laughs> Government owes Ghana gas. The cash waterfall. Ghana Gas has not received its share. You know, uh, uh, Bost is not really in a, in a great place. Uh, GMPC has issues. You know, so all of these things going on, the total, you know, disregard for prudence, for frugality, is, is, is costing us. It's cost because, look, we have limited resources. So if you must spend 100 million cities, which is what parliament has, has approved, and you decide to spend six times that, it means that money that could have gone into other sectors, 
whether it's providing furniture for schools under trees, whether it's uh, helping schools that have been disconnected by ECG, like Akraka suffered recently, all of those things are, are going to get worse. You know, so look, it's always about leadership choices, and 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 that's why it's 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 really sickening that a president who promised to protect the public purse is at the center of these things. He's yeah. chairing these meetings, and and he's allowing these things to go on. This is totally unacceptable. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Uh, let's leave it here. That's Honorable Samuel Kujetwa Blackwa, his North Town member of Parliament, speaking to us there on the situation with the All-Africa Games. Um, we are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We'll be back with the latest in the world of business, and then there'll be point blank. Meanwhile, the local organizing committee We've contacted them. They said we'll be issuing a statement that will be coming out later. So we have to wait for that. Thank you. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by GCB Bank PLC. GCB personal loan make that big move and dream a reality. My name is Hawa Idrisu Mustafa. Details of our stories now. The Minister for Works and Housing, Kojo Poinkoma, is stressing the importance of regulating all players in the real estate industry to protect citizens from being exploited. According to him, ensuring transparency and accountability in the real estate sector will bolster confidence and accelerate national development. During a working visit to the office of the Ghana Real Estate Agency Council, which is currently under construction, Kujopo Nkoma pledged his ministry's full support to the council to help it fulfill its mandate effectively. Every Ghanaian who is involved in a real estate transaction, whether he's buying or he's selling or doing other things like renting that are associated with it, goes through some, may I say, professionals or, or occasionally works with some professionals. The work of these professionals need to be regulated so that they don't end up duping or, you know, um, unduly charging um, our citizens. The purpose of this agency and uh, the council is to regulate the work of all of these professionals, lawyers, agents, other people who deal in this real estate space. When you say people are having difficulty with you know, accommodation, cost of living and its related matters, part of it is because the people responsible in the value chain, um, because sometimes the regulation is very weak, they end up treating citizens anyhow charging some rates they shouldn't be charging, using some standards they shouldn't be using. And that's why Parliament passed this law in 2020. Kojopo Nkrumah is Minister for Works and Housing. For his part, the Chief Executive of the Ghana Real Estate Agency Council, Nana Otu Texin, noted that the council will leverage on digitalization to meet the demands of the citizens. We do need staff. We do have a need for some salaries to be paid. We do also need finance. Um, The vision for setting up this agency is to create a cloud-based system, which means that all agents, brokers or regulated persons would actually be able to engage with us from the comfort of their homes, uh, of their offices. If I have my own way, nobody will come to this office because once regulation starts and you add more time to it, a lot of people go underground. So we want to make this as easy as possible for people to be able to engage with us, and that comes at a cost. So we do need finance for that. 
Uh, we do also, as I've said, do get some vehicles. We would have to do some monitoring to make sure that those who don't abide by the Act once we start regulation would be brought to book because without that, the regulation would also fail. Nana Otu Texan is the chief executive of the Ghana Real Estate Agency Council. The National Insurance Commission has expressed growing concerns over the rise in fraudulent activities, especially where certain individuals resort to forging documents to file insurance claims. It notes that some unidentified perpetrators often acquire counterfeit police and medical reports to pursue motor insurance claims unlawfully. Seeking assistance, the Commission appeals to the Ghana Police Service to keep such deceitful practices within the insurance sector. Acting Commissioner of Insurance Michael Kofiando explains some strategies employed by these fraudsters in an interview with City Business News. People get fake reports, like fake police report or fake medical report. They put them together and they make a claim. You would see somebody injured, and you see him injured, and really, but then the point is, how did he get injured? Because a motor insurance claim is for motor accident victims. And so if he doesn't fall within that category, he needs to get a report that says that he got injured from a vehicle accident. He needs to get a medical report to that effect. He puts it together. He wants to present it to the insurance company to get a claim. Sometimes the insurers, the claimants, the technical people, when they look at these documents, can read in between the lines. Michael Kofiando is acting commissioner of insurance. Startups and fintechs are said to receive a major boost as government has revealed that it will soon launch a fintech innovation fund to support them. The move is part of a broader effort to ensure that these businesses are well-funded and primed for sustainable growth. Speaking at the press launch of the 3i Africa Summit, Dr. Mohamed Rubaumia noted that this move underscores the important role that the Bank of Ghana and other stakeholders in the fintech space are playing towards the realization of the government digitalization agenda. The investment and innovation undertaken by government and its concomitant positive impact on the lives of the citizens as well as the efficiency in operations various relevant institutions cannot be overemphasized. This therefore denotes the fact that digital transformation is an inevitable necessity, an appropriate system, flexible response to emergencies, challenges and needs, and a means used to achieve economic and social development. Government will be setting up a fintech innovation fund to support startups and other fintechs um, because what is clear in this whole journey towards the digitalization what for me has been so amazing is that most of the digitalization that we are seeing is homegrown this is this is driven by local fintechs a local IT firm so the the the, the, the know-how is here the innovation is here. Usually, they lack the capital to take these innovations uh, to make the sort of impact. So we need, they need the investment. That was the Vice President, Dr. Mohamedou Baumia. Now, Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, highlighted the importance of the 3i Africa Summit. From the regular engagement with fintech startup as part of the bank's innovation nurturing role, it has emerged that most of these nascent companies generally lack 
investor visibility, hence the need to address the information gap between investors and fintech startups to stimulate the payment ecosystem. This would help unleash the full potential of fintech startups to contribute meaningfully to the economic development of the African continent. Again, this background, the upcoming 3i Africa Summit is designed as a platform for governments, businesses, investors, regulators, innovators, and thought leaders to discuss and collaborate on measures to unlock Africa's full potential by harnessing the potential of fintech. The summit, which is premised on innovation, investment, and impact, is being organized by the Bank of Ghana and Development Bank of Ghana in partnership with the Monetary Authority of Singapore through its subsidiary Elevandi, organizers of the globally acclaimed Singapore FinTech Festival. That was the governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, ending City Business News on Eyewitness News. The Business News on Eyewitness News is brought to you by GCB Bank PLC. GCB Personal Loan, make that big move and dream a reality. My name is Hawa Idrisu Mustafa. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight on Point Blank, Free Senior High School is on the discussion table. The issue of government's Free Senior High School and how much government should pay has come up again. The Africa Education Watch has done some work and has come up with uh, some pro- well, proposals or suggestions to the government. Kofi Asari is the executive director of the Africa Education Watch. He's joining us on the line. Say, you welcome to Eyewitness News. Hello, um, thank you. Um, good evening to your audience, um, Omar. The information is that you are proposing again that parents make payments, which is something the government has resisted over the period. Tell us what new. Uh, proposal you have in relation to what the parents should be paying for in relation to free senior high school? Well, um, the context for our emphasis is that 
one between 2017 and 2022 out of the 7.8 billion 7.6 billion which was allocated to the free financing policy government was only able to release 70 percent of the money to finance the policy which means there's a funding gap of about 30 percent now so far as there remains a funding gap it means that government will not be able to supply everything it ought to supply within the required time. That's, the, that's why you were seeing schools smuggling items into prospectuses, schools asking parents to pay money, which we are all used to. It's because government is unable to fully finance 100% the policy. That's what number one. Now, number two, between 2017 when the policy started and um, 2022, you also realize that or close to 180,000 students are those that were placed but couldn't under the admissions in the year of admission. Okay, so obviously a major reason why um, 194,000 candidates, sorry, it's 194,000 candidates who were placed between 20, um, sorry, 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 between 2019 and 2023 alone, yeah, you know, you have this 194,000 who were unable to enroll, even though they were placed. They were unable to enroll in the year that they were placed. Okay. You have these issues emerging because of, among others, financial access barriers. In our study, we spoke to 20 parents of 20 students who, 194,000 students who, even though were placed, were unable to enroll in the year that they were placed, between 2019 and 2023. And all, almost all of them indicated costs as being the reasons. In our report, you will see quotes attributed to these 20 parents sampled across the country. So the reason is this. If you look at data from the Ghana Statistical Service, a significant number of Ghanaians are called poor people living in the low-income countries. They live in households where household expenditure annually is below 8250 Now, if you live in a household where your household expenditure annually is below 8250 and you are averagely four in a household, the meaning is that once the household requires about 5,000 cities to take care of your enrollment in senior high school, it will, it will be a challenge for the household. This year, I mean, in 2023, the last year, when the academic year started, we saw the genius adapting the harmonized prospectus, which reduced the cost of prospectus. However, a market survey we conducted as part of this study at Medina Market indicated that a minimum of 2,100 was required to buy prospectus items. Not all, but then the key ones. But prospectus is only 45% of the cost of enrollment in senior high school, which means that one requires up to 5,000 cities to enroll. At Edward, we have students we are supporting in senior high schools, including Presec. As we speak, we spend more than 7,000 between December and now. And so it means that people from this, I mean, students from this poor income household, low income households, with expenditure, annual expenditure below 8,250, will definitely struggle to enroll and remain in school. It's on the basis of that that we make the recommendation that instead of government 
spending an average of 1,241 on the children of the rich, children of the middle class, children of the average Ghanaian, and children of the poor. Government will have to consider spending more on children from these low-income quintal households so that what is being spent on the son of Kofi Asare in Presec will have to reduce for the what is being spent on the child of Yamenu, who is from a, a household, a low-income quintal household, will increase. Then Kofi Asare and Yamenu's children will all be able to enjoy the free in high school policy. That is the 360 degree of our study. Please stay on the line for me. I want to bring another person on the for the conversation. Uh, Dr. Clementa Park is a member of parliament uh, for the Bulsa South constituency. He's a deputy ranking on the Education Committee of Parliament. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Yes, good evening, Sanda. Uh, good evening to listeners, including, including my constituents in the Bulsa South. So, Kofi Asari of uh, Africa Education Watch is just making the point with, I must say, has been made in the past, which point the government has consistently ignored. It has to do with um, parental support for the free senior high school. Does it look like the government needs help based on the numbers that you have been looking at? Well, the simple and truthful, straightforward answer is yes. Because if one were to take a cursory look at what is going on in the educational sector in general, uh, which is challenged in general, but were to narrow it to the implementation of the free senior school policy, um, you cannot but agree with the findings of Africa Education Watch. As a, a member of Parliament's Education Committee, I have even more recent statistics in as far as expenditure on the free senior school is concerned. Uh, the last budget of this government, when the former minister for finance was in the House of Parliament uh, to speak to it and to defend it, we were informed that some $8.4 billion had been expended on the implementation of the policy from 2017 to 2023. Now, for this year in question, we have approved in Parliament an amount of $2.7 billion to fund the program for the year in question. But in spite of all these colossal amounts of money that have gone to the program, we still have the challenges that Kofi Asari has enumerated. I mean, when you have a program that is set to be free, and yet you have almost about 200,000 students. I've looked at uh, the report that uh, Kofi and his team have produced the, the number of students who were not able to take their places, although had places to commence their studies in secondary school, is just slightly below 200,000. So you then ask the question, if the financial barrier 
is what government sought to take away with the introduction of this policy. How come we still have these huge numbers of students unable to take their places in the secondary school system? Then you also ought to factor in other challenges to do with inadequate residential and academic infrastructure. I am very sure you remember the very poignant statement made by the Wesley Girls head prefect in the presence of the president and the minister for education to the effect that many of her colleagues, the juniors, were sleeping on the bare floor and that their classroom did not even have furniture. You also remember the recent incident of the power cutoff in Accra Academy. And I dare say that from where I sit, both as a member of the Education Committee and a member of the Public Accounts Committee, where I get to look at the reports of the pre-tertiary educational institutions, particularly the secondary schools, I can give you several examples of many, many schools which have had their electricity and water supply cut off because government is struggling to meet its obligations as far as these elements are concerned. Many don't know this, but part of the cost that government has decided to bear on its own include the cost for ICT as well as library fees. Since the inception of the policy, not even a dime has been disbursed to any secondary school in this republic to cover such costs. So the truth is that while the program, the policy is a good policy, we must admit that it is facing serious implementation challenges. And if in spite of these amounts of money, the challenges don't seem to go away, then the right thing is for us to take a second look. And that is why hmm. all stakeholders, except government, including my flag bearer, John Damani Mama, have been calling for a national stakeholders forum to review the policy with the intent of improving upon it. So I agree with all the findings. In fact, I was not surprised at all. Those of us who are in that sector, who know what goes on day to day, who even have our own words. And, I mean, believe you me, when, for political experience, some speak as though there are different schools where the words of persons who don't belong to the ruling party attend and the opposite. They miss the point. I have a, a ward who is currently a first-year university student mm. who went through the system. Okay. I have another one who is currently in year one. And the conditions, to say the least, are atrocious. Very well. Time will allow, but let's leave it here. Uh, thank you for making that point. Let me conclude. That's Honorable Dr. Clementa Park, MP for Bulsa South and Deputy Ranking Member on the Education Committee. Kofi Asari, so you have done this work. Uh, since you publicized it, have you got any information from government? Okay, I'm told that I've lost Kofi Asari. Apologies there. 
but that would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. Uh, my name is Umaru Sanda Amadu. I did this with How I Dress Your Mustafa Production by Kobna Wilson, Beverly London, and Sami Uyafi. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. New media support from Daniel Anyoriga and Edwin Kwakofi. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. Hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973. City 97.3 Accra We understand the excitement of preparations that comes when your child gains admission into senior high school. But we at the Agricultural Development Bank, ADBPLC, also understand the financial burden this comes with. The chop box, trunk, school mattress, you name it. That's why we have partnered with Prospectus Ghana Limited to offer financial support for parents by introducing the ADB Quick Purchase. With a smart loan of up to 20,000 Ghana cities, you can pick up all the items on your child's prospectus for school. ADB PLC offers you a repayment plan of 12 months to relieve you of all that heavy financial burden. Every ADB customer who receives their salaries through the bank, military and police personnel, and all other workers on the controller and accountant general's payroll qualify for this facility. Walk into any ADB branch nationwide or any prospectus Ghana Limited office near you to apply for the ADB quick purchase. Terms and conditions apply. ADB, the people's bank. ADB, truly a Greek and more. This Easter, we are changing the narrative. We're going back to our village. Back! Back to your village with the Back to Your Village Food Festival. Allow us to take you back to your roots and give you an unforgettable experience. When was the last time you had your favorite indigenous Ghanaian meal? Just like it's done back home. The Eto, Impotompoto, Eto, Ampesie, Komikekenang, Tuozafi, Dawadawadolof, Akple, and Fetridechi, among others. Come and enjoy these and more at the Back to Your Village Food Festival. Let's also treat you to a collection of authentic Ghanaian music and traditional dances.